Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Inside Curling with me, Jungle Jim Jerome. Uh, I think we've tried to suss out how everyone gets to the Olympics. and <laughs> very convoluted. However, today was the uh, Olympic trials over in the Netherlands, and the team of Chris Plies and Vicky Persinger from the U.S., so here's how it went for them. We interviewed them right after they won the right to go to the Olympic trials in the Netherlands. They, they won in the States. You would think normally, if you win your country's pre-Olympic trials, you'd get to go. But no, off they went. Uh, congratulations to them. We interviewed them, like I said, right after that U.S. trials that they were in. Uh, they went undefeated, and they are on their way to the Olympics. Congratulations to Chris Plies and Vicky Persinger. And here's an interview we did with them a while back. Okay, well, here we go again. Uh, another award-winning interview that we have. I think everyone we've had, Kevin, you're doing a great job. They've all been either Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers for sure. Our two guests that we have today are highly accomplished curlers, certainly ranked in the world. We're talking about Vicky Persinger and Chris Plies. Uh, welcome, both of you. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, Vicky, three-time women's national champ. Uh, you guys, of course, won the 2021 mixed doubles. Uh, you've medaled in every single women's national championship that you've been in. When I look up curlers and when they see that you're from Fairbanks. I said, well, there's no way you could possibly still be living there with the rest of your team in the States. But you do, you do live there in Fairbanks and you work there. How do you get together with your team? How are you pulling this off? It can be difficult for sure. It um, took me four flights just to get to our Olympic trials, which was a little nuts. Um, and the rest of my team, my women's team, well, and Chris all live in Minnesota. So we just try and kind of tack on extra days to events if we can. That's really helpful for me so I don't have to go back and forth. Yeah, just kind of utilize my time the best that I can. And my teammates have been really accommodating with that. There's so many events now, especially when you're playing in different disciplines. Is there any thought you would move away from Fairbanks? I have before, uh, just for a couple of months uh, it's very difficult for me because I really love where I come from and uh, my family is all still there and I have a great curling club, which is the whole reason I got this far to begin with. So definitely really attached to living there. Extended period of time away is fine, but I don't think I'll ever be a, I might be a lifer. <laughs> you need a plane. You need your own plane. That's what you need. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, Kev, over to you. You were down there for the mixed uh, uh, doubles, Kev. You guys did. You owned the week, though. Played awesome all week. Get to the final. Get the hammer in the final. But it was kind of an interesting game. There were there were a few chances given both ways, but I'd like to ask you about the last shot. The final rock of the eighth end, tied at six, on the fingertips of Vicky Persinger and a possible trip to the Netherlands. One was exactly on the nose. Will it get there? It does. It's over. Persinger plies with a win on the final stone of the final end. But a shot exactly on the nose. On the broadcast, I actually said that if Vicky hits this exactly right, 
I'm not sure the middle one is going to spin out of there. I thought there's a chance it might be a measure for the championship. That's how close it was. But first of all, how difficult was the shot that you made, which was fantastic. And even if you made it, though, were you sure you were going to win? I was not confident. Um, I I didn't know if it was going to kick out or not. The thing that was great about being able to get the chance to play that shot before the game we had talked about a dream situation would be Tide coming home with Hammer, and that's exactly what we had. So couldn't really ask for much more there. Chris had thrown the same line three times trying to run the center one. So I kind of knew um, how I needed to throw it, and I was just hoping that I could throw it hard enough to spit out the middle. And Chris, I want to ask you, same, not in the same question, because I've, I've watched the replay about, I don't know, 10 or 12 times. You sweep really hard, hog line to the top of the house, maybe even the full 12, but then you kind of almost stand up and stiffen up, and like it's like, please, 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 please. <laughs> like, it was a wonderful, sh- like the, the picture of you sweeping hard, and then the last three or four feet that, that rock traveled, I'm not exactly sure what you're thinking. What was going through your mind? When their last rock came to a stop, I was just kind of looking at it. We didn't have a whole lot of time um, on our clock, so just kind of looked at it and didn't really see much else, but just kind of smacking it hard on the like exactly on the nose, and and then just hoped that that one would spin. Yeah, I got down to the other end and just told Vicky pretty much exactly that, like just smack it hard. How it was was uh, there's a rock on the top of the button, one frozen to it on the side of the button, and one frozen behind it all in the exact straight line. So, of course, by hitting it on the nose, the first one, the middle one, which was also Jamie and Rich's rock, had to spin out. Like, try to draw the picture here. Uh, in your opinion, Chris, if the rock curls or undercurls half an inch, is there any chance you win? Oh, man, I don't know. Maybe if you hit it just like a millimeter high, like maybe it would still pull. But if you, I think if you're any low at all, like I think we were dead and... Yeah, I don't know. I was just heard her screaming. and It's as good a finish as you could ever imagine, in my opinion. It was just awesome. It was such a hard-fought battle. But I want to go a little further, too, with, with the ice conditions. I don't know that Warren in. The ice conditions. Sean Olison, he was there every minute. He was watching every rock. The guy just did an, a tremendous amount of work. What were the conditions like, not just on the one sheet, on sheet the TV sheet, but across the building and the job that the ice makers did because, boy, on the TV sheet, we, we covered quite a few games. The shooting was fantastic. Sean is a, he's one of our best kept secrets in the States. He's, um, you know, we've had a long line of guys from North Dakota um, that have put out great curling ice and, you know, Sean being the one there now, it, it's really nice because he, you know, takes feedback. He'll let us know what he's thinking and what he's seeing. Yeah, I mean, sheet C was just amazing. Sheet D also I thought was really great. We were, it was a little challenging on sheet A and B as the week was, you know, a little bit earlier earlier on. But, you know, I also believe that they may have had like a few setbacks trying to get the ice installed. So I think they were a little bit maybe behind time when the tournament was starting. But we've come to know and love it with Sean. It's like 15 and a half seconds and curling from the middle of 12 and just a heck of a lot of fun to play on. You two have been playing mixed doubles for a while. I th- I think you came second uh, in U.S. Nationals to be 2019. Is that correct? Yes. So how did you guys get into this? And uh, what do you think the uh, the future of mixed doubles is? And do you think it uh, is going to get bigger and better? And, and are you going to continue to participate in it along with four-person? I was the alternate for Greg's team at the uh, World Championships in Vegas back in 2018. And 
she is Greg's cousin. So she was down just kind of watching and cheering those guys on. And we were just having a, having a beer or something at the Orleans and I just said, Hey, you know, I think, I think we could maybe make some noise with uh, mixed doubles. And um, neither of us really had a partner um, that was going on. And yeah, so just gave her a run and kind of had some success early, some cash spiels and that kind of stuff. And um, we're both like pretty easygoing people. So, you know, off ice, it's been great. And yeah, we just have a lot of fun together. I think that's something that we just really make a focus on is, is doing whatever we can, wherever we are to enjoy ourselves. And, and a lot of good things have happened because of it. Is mixed doubles something that's happening to a fair degree in the U.S.? Is it growing or what's happening with it down there? I'm not really on top of that one. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure. I mean, the U.S. field for this trials that we just came out of, there's a lot of a lot of really good teams. And there's actually several like really good teams that didn't make it to the trials as well. So I think everybody, once the Olympics kind of set in and it was another chance to go to the Olympic Games, everybody kind of started taking it a lot more seriously. So I'd love to go and repeat with my men's team, like at the Olympics for those guys and, and you know, like win a medal with, with them. But I mean, just as much would would love to go over there and win an Olympic medal with Vicky. I mean, I think to me, Olympic medals are Olympic medals and it would just be just a crazy journey to get to experience either one way or the other. When you looked at forming a mixed doubles team and maybe you can speak to other curlers who are looking at it now because there's so many great events. If there was an obstacle to overcome when you said, okay, I think I want to go into mixed doubles, but was there any cons to it and that you had to look at it differently than you would a four-man team? You know, there's still dynamics involved, even in mixed doubles. We have a great team on our team as well. It's me and Chris, and we have a great coach, Sean, and the leader of our program, Phil Dropnik. You know, you need to throw the rock well, but you need to be able to do everything else well, too. So sweeping, line calling, etc. And for me, it took me a while just to kind of embrace what the game was. I actually hated it at first. It was just two hours of chaos and I felt like I was running around with my head cut off. You're playing with fire for eight ends of a game every single time. You know, don't get excited when you get four because it's super easy to just give it right back. So it's made me grow actually as a women's player, just doing all of those things. And obviously I learned a lot from Chris and I've really enjoyed my time playing with him. Yeah, I think it's great for any curler who wants to grow their men's and women's game as well. It's just another angle you can get on the game and another opportunity to learn. You know what? During the final on broadcast, we actually talked a little bit about your team having an advantage. In your case, Vicky, you're one of the only curlers I know that have played all four positions at the highest level. I've got you as like no nine and 10, something like that. You were skipping 08, 12, and then 18, you played third. And then you played second, of course, a ton. And in 1415, you played lead. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the coin, you got Chris, who skipped, of course, uh, in the world, ju- winning the world junior, and then has played uh, everything from alternate and a lot of third. So I thought on the broadcast, we talked about the advantage you guys would have because you've skipped. So you understand that part. But yet, unlike, say, Rich and, and Jamie, who has skipped mostly, you've also got that sweeping prowess. Do you think you guys would have walked in there with maybe a bit of an advantage? because of that, just bringing, I guess, more assets to the table? I think like it definitely is an advantage, both just like sweeping, but watching so many rocks over the years and, you know, just kind of watching the ice change and being able to adjust as a sweeper to a track kind of slowing down or speeding up. And 
being able to relay that information to the shooter. Um, I, I definitely think that is a, a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I mean, Vicky is a great sweeper too. So that was something else that I really wanted in a in a women's partner that if I was going to play mixed doubles, because you see some of these guys that sweep every single rock and I let, I trust her to sweep a bunch of my rocks and I sweep at the end of the week. I probably sweep like a few less games of rocks than those guys. So when it comes to the end of the week and we need a big sweep, you know, I still got some gas in the tank where I think some guys might be a little bit more beat up. I'm wondering who sweeps more. Vicky, I would say you probably sweep more than 50% of the rocks. I, I was trying to watch that too, because most of the teams had the, the guy swept almost every stone all game. And, I, and that's what we talked about going, man, that's too tiring. And you guys kind of split it somehow. What do you think? I like to joke that I'm the boy on the team. And I think Chris has no problem with that. <laughs> so yeah, maybe more than 50%. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's wonderful. What an advantage. Yeah, it's nice too. And I mean, it's one of those things where it's also... I don't have to necessarily worry about like trying to get my heart rate dropping back down right away, throwing those middle three rocks. Like most of the time, I'm pretty much just ready to go. Sometimes I'm a little bit, you know, got to get it dialed in for my first shot. But other than that, it's, I think it's a big advantage. So Vicky, I'm doing the math here. It seems to me that you must have started curling when you had a soother and you were wearing diapers, okay? <laughs> because you were born in 92. You went to eight junior nationals. But your last one was in 2013. That means your first one was in 05. Does that make you 12 or 13 years old when you went to your first one? Yeah, I was uh, 13 years old when I went to my first junior nationals. Back then it was by state. So we were just some young girls from Alaska. It was in 2006. And I thought it was just a bond spiel. I didn't really understand what I was even going to. Um, I learned how to throw board weight at the event. Anyway, that one was actually in Duluth. And my friend Chris here won that one. But uh, yeah, I went to seven in a row representing Alaska and then got asked to play on a Minnesota team my last year of eligibility. So I went and did that. And my last year, we beat my friend Corey Christensen in the final and went to Worlds. And then I was going to call it a day and quit curling after that just because I didn't really know how to get on a women's team after that. Uh, knowing that if I wanted to get on a good team, I'd have to link up with someone else down in the States. And I just was a little too shy to be doing that. So I didn't play for a year and it was really, really hard for me to watch everything going on and kind of wanting to be part of it. And so it just so happened the next year, uh, the HP program for USA Curling did a combine where you tried out individually and I thought I'd give it a go, so I came down and tried out and made it and have been on the national team for the past eight years now. So you were, you wow. were going to quit? You took a whole year off? Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel comfortable reaching out to people I didn't know very well and right. didn't think I could get a team out of Alaska that would, you know, keep up with everyone. How much curling is there in Alaska? How many facilities are there? How many people? Well, our state has maybe 750,000 people. The city I'm from is about 60,000. And our curling club has a six sheets um, in Fairbanks. Anchorage has a two-sheeter. And there's also a curling club up in Barrow. So um, they also have some pop-up ones kind of here and there on occasion. But those are the three kind of consistent ones right now. Yeah, everyone I had been competing with my entire junior career was driving to these spiels 
you know, one hour here, two hours there. And our closest uh, next club was six and a half hours away in Anchorage, two-sheeter to play a bond spiel there. So leaving the States was an, very new to me to compete against other people and kind of opened up a whole new world I didn't really know about before that. So just over the mountains in Whitehorse, there's a beautiful facility there. And I know it's probably not that easy to go from Whitehorse to, to Alaska, but is there any interchange of curlers between uh, Whitehorse and those in Alaska at all in the events? Does that take place? Yes, for sure. Um, we have a what we consider a big international bond spiel at the beginning of April, and they have one as well. And uh, they used to send buses back and forth. And I believe back in the day, my parents actually, they had like chartered planes back and forth you know, we send X amount of teams to your bond spiel, you send X amount of teams to our bond spiel and oh, cool. yeah. knew a lot of people from there. Um, I have actually, I'm really sad to admit this, I've never made it to Whitehorse. And I've always wanted to, it just has never worked out for me. But a lot of people have really loved going there from my club. And hopefully one day I get the chance as well. How, how, far, how long would it take you to drive from your house to Whitehorse? Oh, it- I think it's like a 14 hour. Oh maybe? my goodness. Yeah. No, it's quite a track. Okay. Good God. Okay. No way. Man. No. no wonder you wanted to give up curling. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Throw in the towel. Chris, let's talk about you for a sec. Uh, we've heard um, this wonderful story about Vicky and how, how she, you know, rose to the top here. Uh, walk, walk us through your, your journey here, where it all started and, and was it always going to be curling? I'm born and raised in Duluth, Minnesota, kind of hockey town. You know, high school hockey is kind of supreme, and we got a Division One um, hockey program here in town. So actually, I was going to a hockey game one night with my family, and uh, our curling club is attached to the to the hockey arena. Has a big viewing window, and saw some people that we knew down there, and they kind of waved us down, and like my whole family went down and tried it. And you know, I I loved growing up. I loved skateboarding and snowboarding and playing hockey with my friends and. I don't know if my parents thought it was just going to be cheaper than, than hockey or what the deal was, but it's got me into the junior program there in Duluth, and uh, my whole family kind of started curling at once, and that was probably back in like 97 or 98, somewhere in that time frame. And we had a, just a great junior program in Duluth and met some friends and you know got to do a little bit of traveling around the region and stuff, and that was pretty cool. And then um, started winning some of those little – junior spiels and that kind of stuff and and then I was really lucky in 2003 I was like 15 probably years old or somewhere around then and a bunch of kids that I really looked up to that you know a couple of them were aging out of juniors that year asked me to be their alternate to go to the junior nationals and just had an amazing experience out there those guys ended up winning that juniors and um, we weren't able to go to junior worlds unfortunately because i think they were in flim switzerland and then the next year i was just like heck yeah let's go i think i can compete with these guys and i found this team and we put in an application for the junior bees for the u.s to go win at spot back and this was like schuster tyler george uh <laughs> zach jacobson like all these guys that i had just no business even being in the tournament and i remember uh, I sent an email to Killiam Industries uh, looking for brooms, and I got. They sent us four or five Hammer XLs, and I thought it was the coolest thing that had ever happened to me. I was like, I got my first free broom, and then we got accepted into this Junior B tournament, and we were just like beside ourselves. And then first game we were playing, and there was a measure for the win, and one of the players on the opposing team wasn't paying attention and kicked the rock, so we won by default. <laughs> and uh, and then we just went on an absolute heater and ended up 
ended up winning the <laughs> winning the tournament. It was just madness. Uh, I mean, looking back on it, it's fun. I just keep, I just it makes me laugh every time because we just had absolutely no business, um, you know, winning that bond spiel. And after that, you know, I had some had some success with Shusty. We played like the won the World University Games back in like 07. I just kind of took my beatings a little bit on my first couple junior worlds. Started off my first one, got like eighth or ninth or something in Korea, and lost a tiebreaker the following year, and then won the World Juniors the following year after that, and then. Ended my career with a bronze medal at the Junior Worlds. I mean, it was it was cool looking back on it because I think I mean the gold medal game that we won and the bronze medal game was like beat Oscar Erickson and I, you know, I can't say that I I've been on the I think I've been on the receiving side of losing most big games to him now. So no, it's just been it's been a fun ride. When I got into men's, I again just like started taking my lashings, lost a whole bunch of finals and. I don't know, just kept grinding, kept pushing. And then when this opportunity came to join John um, with Tyler retiring, it was just, it was a challenging moment because I really enjoyed playing with Heath McCormick um, and actually Corey Dropkin and Tom Howell, two of the guys in the Young Bucks. And, but me and Heath had become really close and I had just a lot of respect for him and we had a lot of fun together, but it was just kind of one of those, you don't get a chance to join a, an Olympic gold medal team the following year. And and here we are today. So were you a competitive hockey player and then and then went to curl? Nah, I just was a rink rat. Me and all my okay. friends, we would just we would just go hang out. It was pretty cool in Duluth. There's a thousand little rinks and but there was just always competitive games. But I, I was more into the snowboarding and skateboarding. How how do you guys settle disputes, by the way, on the ice? How do you <laughs> how do you settle uh no we're not doing that? Oh yes we are. Oh no we're not. How's that all get settled? We don't really have a lot of those. Um Sometimes it's actually tough to come to a decision because neither of us want to be in charge. Uh, so <laughs> nothing too crazy to settle there. If anything, I just uh, test my friend's patience sometimes, especially in that last final. I really struggled and I was like, he is going to absolutely murder me if I don't make one here. And so I'm glad I was able to make him smile at the end of the game. Uh, thanks a lot to both of you. Congratulations uh, on, on unbelievable careers that look like they're only going to get better. As, as time goes by. So thanks, Vicky. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. And, and good luck to both of you. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, you guys. Thanks a lot. Well, there it is. Another dream come true. Can you imagine? Can you imagine making the Olympics? Well, I can only imagine. Chris Plies, Vicky Persinger, a great interview, and uh, we thank them for doing that, and congratulations to them on their way to the Olympics. Stay tuned. We'll be back with another show next week, and we got another guest. Love having you listening. Thanks a lot, uh, everybody. A very special episode of Inside Program.